0: Welcome to the Faith Connections podcast, a partnership between the Foundry Publishing, Nazarene Discipleship International, and Holiness Today. Welcome to our study this week of Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. My name is Scott Rainey. I serve with the Church of the Nazarene in the area of Nazarene Discipleship International, or NDI. This adult Sunday school video lesson is provided in collaboration between the Foundry Publishing and NDI. The Sunday School lesson is intended to support the local church's efforts to make disciples who make disciples. Please feel free to use this video in any way that helps your church or its families. Back in 2003, I had been serving as a staff pastor in the area of evangelism and discipleship at a local church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I was in my early 30s, and my wife and I received a request to move to Houston, Texas, to serve as the lead pastor of a church there. When we arrived at this new church in Houston, we discovered that there were many young couples around our age at the church. They enjoyed teasing, and it seemed that the pastor was often the focal point for their teasing. I remember one day, one of the young men jokingly said to me, you know, pastor, you have a great job. You only work once a week on Sundays. And your work day only lasts 30 minutes. Must be nice. I smiled at him and said, well, I can make it last 45 minutes a week if you want. (laughs) He laughed and said, no, 30 minutes is just fine. Thanks. (laughs) If my friend thought that I had it easy with a job that required only 30 minutes of work a week, I wonder what he would say about the jobs of priests in Israel at the time of Jesus. Jesus. In 1 Chronicles chapter 24, we find King David preparing for the temple that his son Solomon would one day build. Part of that preparation was to organize the priesthood in Israel into 24 divisions, each to serve, quote, for their appointed order of ministering at the temple, 1 Chronicles 24 verse 3. Each of the 24 divisions served in the Jerusalem temple for one week, twice a year. Can you imagine a job where you only work two weeks each year? Well, the reality is that pastors work many more hours each week than just 30 minutes on Sunday morning. So too, a priest worked more than just these two weeks each year. For the rest of the year, they would perform some of the priestly duties in whatever community in which they lived it is estimated that there were 18,000 priests and Levites throughout the land of Israel in the time of Jesus. When the priests came to Jerusalem and were assigned a duty in the temple of the one true God, this was their Super Bowl week. There were four main tasks that could be assigned at the temple. One, participation of the burnt animal offering. Two, participation in the meal offering, three, maintenance of the candlestick in the holy place, and four, the burning of incense that represented the prayers of the people before God. That fourth responsibility, the burning of incense, was, so to speak, the grand prize for any priest. You might say that it was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity When a priest was assigned this task, he became ineligible to serve in this role again until all other priests in the division had taken a turn. With as many as 750 priests in a division, it was likely that a given priest would only have one week during their lifetime to burn incense in the temple in Jerusalem. Today, we're going to look at one specific priest in Israel's history that went to the temple to serve a few years before the birth of Jesus. His name was Zechariah, and his wife was Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1 verse 5 tells us that Zechariah was a priest, quote, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. Abijah was mentioned in 1 Chronicles chapter 24 as the eighth of 24 division of, divisions of priests. And on this particular week of service in the temple in Jerusalem, Zachariah was chosen for the once in a lifetime service to burn incense in the temple of God. With this background, let's begin reading Luke chapter one, verses five through 25. Once, when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go to the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zachariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. In the conventional literary style of the Old Testament, an important event was always set in the time of kings, the gospel writer, Luke, had a keen interest to set this particular event in a wider world history. So in Luke chapter one, verse five, we learn that in the time of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, he was there was a priest named Zechariah. Herod the Great was a paranoid and ruthless king under the powerful and oppressive rule of the Roman Empire. He served as king in Judea from 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. He was known for his cruelty from which no one was exempt. According to Josephus, a Jewish historian during the first century A.D., Herod killed three of his own sons because he saw them as a threat to his rule. The world in which Zechariah served as priest in Israel was evil and dangerous. Not only was Zechariah a priest in one of the 24 divisions of the Israeli priesthood, but his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Luke chapter 1 verse 6 reveals that both Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. The Greek word for righteous carries the meaning of being just and right both in legal and covenantal settings in the Old Testament. But first and foremost, righteous meant to be in right relationship with God. The Greek word for observing in verse 6 literally means to go or to walk. So Zachariah and Elizabeth were going or walking in all of the Lord's commands. Their lives as a whole were solely devoted to God, the flow of the narrative went something like this. Everything was perfect, but we learn in verse seven what this not perfect thing was. Zachariah and Elizabeth were childless and they were both very old. This would be a good moment to acknowledge that the path of faithfulness does not guarantee life will go as planned or that it will be free of disappointments and challenges. Difficult times come upon the just as well as the unjust. At the same time, we should be encouraged to realize that when we experience what seems like a barren wilderness in our life, God is still present, and it doesn't mean that we have lost his favor. The question is, are we willing to allow God to use even difficult experiences in our lives to bring glory to him and to make a difference in eternal matters. The picture of a childless couple makes us think back to several stories in the Old Testament, including Rebecca in Genesis 25, Rachel in Genesis 29, Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter one, and of course, Abraham and Sarah in Genesis 18. In all of these stories, God worked through miraculous births to establish the nation of Israel. And once again, here in Luke chapter 1, God was working miraculously in the lives of a faithful but childless couple to prepare the way for the coming Messiah, the fulfillment of Israel. Interestingly, the name Zechariah means God remembers, and Elizabeth means God is my oath or my promise. As we consider their place in God's redemptive story, We recognize the significance of their names. God remembered his people and he kept his promise. When Zechariah's time came to burn incense in the temple, verse 10 says that all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. The offering of incense in the holy place of the temple corresponded to the prayers of the worshipers of God outside the sanctuary. The rising of incense symbolized the offerings of the prayers. We don't know what specifically these people would have been praying for. Maybe God's redemption of his people, maybe for the coming of the Messiah, or for the freeing of Israel from Roman rule. Likely, all three of these prayers were prayed. However, we can assume that Zechariah included his own personal prayers which would have included a prayer for his wife, Elizabeth, to conceive. The people were waiting and praying. Now it was time for God to speak through an angel. Zechariah's life-changing experience of offering incense now became even more momentous. Divine visitations are not uncommon in the book of Luke and Acts, both written by the Dr. Luke, but seen an angel is usually met with fear. Fear and trembling was Zachariah's response as well, verse 12. But also common is the angel's instruction. Do not be afraid, verse 13. The message of the angel was about God's gracious intervention. The angel declared that Zachariah's prayers had been heard, and Elizabeth would bear him a son. Isn't it beautiful that God's answer to Zachariah and Elizabeth's prayer is very personal, but at the same time, the answer has a far greater scope in its purpose. The child was not only an answer to the prayer of a righteous and blameless couple, but also to the prayers of the assembled worshipers in the temple every day. Sometimes when God answers a prayer in your life, it has a greater purpose than what you see. This child who would be born to Zechariah and Elizabeth would rekindle a prophetic voice in the land of Israel and would usher in the coming of the Messiah. The child born to the older couple would be called John, verse 13, which means God is merciful or God is gracious. This prophet John would be a joy and delight to Zachariah and many would rejoice that he was born, verse 14. John would be great in the sight of the Lord, be filled with the Spirit, and would prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, verses 15 and 17. Luke uses the Greek word kurios for Lord. We see this Greek word used three ways in Scripture. First, in the Septuagint, or the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, Curios is the word used to translate the word Yahweh, the Hebrew name of the God of Israel. The same word is the name given for Jesus, even in Luke chapter 1, verse 17, implying that Jesus shares his divine identity with Yahweh. Curios is also used as a more common contemporary term for master or property owner. Luke also mentioned that John would be filled with the Spirit while still in Elizabeth's womb. The presence and work of the Holy Spirit are prominent throughout the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles. The Spirit's presence in John the Baptist would in many ways foreshadow that many believers would soon be filled with the, Spirit, with the Holy Spirit as recorded in Luke and Acts. In the power of the Spirit, John's work would be consumed with a call to, quote, bring many back, uh, bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, verse 16. The Holy Spirit living in you and me will always result in a greater evangelistic passion and power. Ultimately, John's mission would be one that was defined by preparation. He would be like Elijah who would come first to prepare the way for the Messiah. Oh, Lord, would you please help us being filled with your spirit to prepare the way for the Messiah to come into the lives of people who are near to us. Zechariah and the people who had gathered at the temple waited and prayed. Now God had spoken. Elizabeth would be with child and Zechariah. Should uh, should name him John. What follows in the final verses of our passage today is silence. Zechariah asked a similar question that was asked of Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 8, when he heard similar news about Sarah's upcoming delivery of a son in her old age. Luke 1:18 records Zechariah's words: "How can I be sure of this?" Zechariah was in disbelief to the message of the angel. Now the angel reveals his name. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news, verse 19. What a great response from Gabriel. Think of it. Gabriel stands in the presence of God. Wow. Gabriel wasn't just any angel. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 to 27, it was Gabriel who gave Daniel some 600 years earlier wisdom and understanding about the time of restoration for God's faithful. That same Gabriel now was bringing the good news that the time of God's restoration had arrived. Zechariah's disbelief brought a consequence. He would be mute, unable to speak until his son would be born. Normally, when priests come out of the temple to the praying people outside of the temple, the first thing they did was speak. While we're not 100% sure, it's likely that priests would have given the ironic blessing from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. They read this way, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Zachariah would not give this blessing because he couldn't speak. It's interesting that Luke's gospel ends with these words in Luke chapter 24, verse 50. When Jesus had led them out into the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. What Zechariah could not do at the start of Luke's gospel, Jesus does at the end. Luke makes clear to his reader that Jesus is the one who brings fulfillment to all things, even this temple ritual. With this coming Sunday, we enter the Advent season in the church. Advent is a time when God's people wait. For you and me, we wait For the celebration of the birth of Jesus, the Messiah. We also wait with expectation and hope for the second coming of Jesus. This story today from Luke chapter 1 is filled with waiting. From the ending of Malachi, the last Old Testament prophet, 450 years passed with no record of God speaking to the Israelites. They were waiting. The angel Gabriel had been waiting 600 years to make his appearance to Zechariah to say the time of God's fulfillment has come. Zechariah and Elizabeth had been waiting to one day become parents. The people outside the temple were waiting for Zechariah to finally come out and give the blessing. Zechariah had to wait until his son was born even to speak. Waiting is a part of life. Waiting in silence without complaining helps develop perseverance, which develops character and finally develops hope in God's people. Likely, you are waiting on God for something today. Are you willing to wait with the hope of Advent in this season of your life? The hope of Advent is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone of our lives. Let's wait with hope for God's will in our lives, and in this world today. Thank you for listening to the Faith Connections podcast. If you wish to order Faith Connection materials for your local church, please visit thefoundrypublishing.com. If you've enjoyed this production and wish to hear more, visit holinesstoday.org podcast, or find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts.